The pastor comes in and starts preaching. <laughs> what? <laughs> Maybe. <clears throat> so um, I'm going to get right into this welcome to service tonight wow we're kind of full man this is great love this man it's great everybody came out to be in the house of God on this fine beautiful day right oh it's so lovely So for those of you that haven't been to Wednesday night before, we are in the book of Acts, and we are continuing in the book of Acts, and we are starting chapter 15, and I'm going to read verses 1 through 21. Oh my gosh, this is small. Okay. (laughs) No. (laughs) And certain men came down from Judea. And taught the brethren, unless you are circumcised according to the custom of Moses, you cannot be saved. Therefore, when Paul and Barnabas had no small dissension and dispute with them, they determined that Paul and Barnabas and certain others of them should go up to Jerusalem to the apostles and elders about this question. So being sent on their way by the church, they passed through Phoenicia and Samaria, describing the conversion of the Gentiles, and they caused great joy to all the brethren. And when they had come to Jerusalem, they were received by the church and the apostles and the elders, and they reported all things that God had done with them. But some of the sect of the Pharisees who believed rose up, saying, It is necessary to circumcise them and to command them to keep the law of Moses. Now the apostles and elders came together to consider this matter. When there had been much dispute, Peter rose up and said to them, Men and brethren, you know that a good while ago God chose among us that by my mouth the Gentiles should hear the word of the gospel and believe. So God, who knows the heart, acknowledged them by giving them the Holy Spirit, just as he did to us, and made no distinction between us and them, purifying their hearts by faith. Now, therefore, why do you test God by putting a yoke on the neck of the disciples, which neither our fathers nor we were able to bear? But we believe that through the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ, we shall be saved in the same manner as they. Then all the multitude kept silent and listened to Barnabas and Paul, declaring how many miracles and wonders God had done through them among the Gentiles. And after they had become silent, James answered, saying, Men and brethren, listen to me. Simon has declared how God at first visited the Gentiles to take out of them a people for his name. Simon is Peter. And with this words of the prophets agreed, just as is written, for after this I will return and and I will rebuild the tabernacle of David, which has fallen down. I will rebuild its ruins and I will set it up so that the rest of mankind may seek the Lord, even all the Gentiles who are called by my name, says the Lord, who does all these things. Known to God from eternity are all his works. Therefore, I judge that we should not trouble those from among the Gentiles who are turning to God, but that we write to them to abstain from things polluted by idols, from sexual immorality, from things strangled, and from blood. For Moses has had throughout many generations those who preach him in every city, being read in the synagogues every Sabbath. So what's happening here? Certain Jewish believers have come in and now are telling the apostles requiring that the Gentile converts must be circumcised to be saved. 
Now, the, the circumcision was the seal that the Jewish people belonged to God. It was their covenant with God. It was, that, that's how they were saved, through circumcision. And so, now these Gentile, uh, these, the Jewish believers are coming and saying, we want the Gentiles to be circumcised like we are. That's the way of salvation. Now, if you remember in the book of Galatians, or if you don't remember, I'm going to tell you in the book of Galatians. <laughs> Paul rebuked Peter. And this is, this is, this, the, the Galatians rebuke is before this verse in Acts. Okay, so in Galatians two eleven through 16, it says, Now when Peter had come to Antioch, I withstood him to his face because he was to be blamed. For before certain men came from James, he would eat with the Gentiles. But when they came, he withdrew and separated himself. These are the same men that Peter here fearing those who were of the circumcision and the rest of the Jews also played the hypocrite with him so that even Barnabas was carried away with their hypocrisy. But when I saw that they were not straightforward about the truth of the gospel, I said to Peter before them all, if you being a Jew live in the manner of Gentiles and not as the Jews, why do you compel Gentiles to live as the Jews? We who are Jews by nature are not sinners of the Gentiles, knowing that a man is not justified by the works of the law, but by faith in Jesus Christ. Even we have believed in Christ Jesus that we might be justified by faith in Christ and not by the works of the law, for by the works of the law no flesh shall be justified. So Paul had previously confronted Peter before this Jerusalem council. And so, because you see Peter here now standing up and saying, I, he, he, he admitted he was wrong, and he says, I, I was apostle to the Gentiles. I was the one that, that God spoke to saying the Gentiles were going to come in. If you remember when God let down the net, right? And that the Gentiles would come in. So Peter here being rebuked by Paul, now in the book of Acts, is saying, I, I was wrong at that point. And I now understand it is by faith in Christ, I, right? So he, he repents of this. So the Jewish council here, with the apostle James as its leader, comes up with satisfactory requirements. So James is the brother of Jesus, and now he is the head of this Jewish council, okay, in Jerusalem. So uh, in verse 19, it says, Therefore I judge that we should not trouble those from among the Gentiles who are turning to God, but that we write to them to abstain from things polluted by idols, from sexual immorality, from things strangled, and from blood. So James tells them that the Gentiles should abstain from these things, these things offered to idols, the eating of animals that have been strangled, the tasting or eating of blood. And these are all ceremonial laws. These are all Jewish ceremonial laws. But there's one in there that's a moral law sexual immorality and so we see here right Paul is telling them that uh, uh, or or James is saying these ceremonial things we don't want the Gentiles to do because there's certain things associated with these ceremonies and, and Paul tells us that in 1 Corinthians 10, 18 through 21, he says, Observe Israel after the flesh are not those who eat of the sacrifices partakers of the altar. What am I saying then, that an idol is anything, or what is offered to idols is anything, rather, that the things with the Gentiles sacrifice, they sacrifice to demons and not to God. 
And I do not want you to have fellowship with demons. You cannot drink the cup of the Lord and the cup of demons. You cannot partake of the Lord's table and of the table of demons. Right? And so, you know, uh, we see Paul earlier in saying, um, if you eat the meat... Right? All things are lawful, but not all things are expedient. It's okay if you, if you, it's okay if you eat the meat, but he's saying that these things are offered to idols. And there's a demonic association with those things. And so the council here is saying there's a demonic association with these things. So we don't want you to partake of this. Why? Because these new converts in Christ were to look different and act different than the surrounding society. They were to look and act different. These were ceremonial laws that that the Jews saw as extremely nasty and unholy. And so the apostles here wanted the Gentile converts and the Jew and the Jewish converts to be one because they were forming a new religion not a modified Jewish religion. Yeah. It was not a modified Jewish religion. They were forming one, one, one religion, one body in Jesus Christ yeah. of the Jews and the Gentiles. Not to be a modified Jewish religion, but a new called out consecrated Jews of which Jews and Gentiles would, would become brethren and love one another. Right? So, why the moral law? Sexual immorality was a part of the Gentile culture. And, 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 and when I say part of the culture, it was, it was not just... It, if I said to you, like, um, why, why not murder? Right? Like, why, why didn't they say don't murder? Well, in every society, murder is seen as something bad. Even in the most depraved societies, they would say murder is bad. But in this society, they saw sexual immorality as their whole life. I mean, that was what you did. I mean, from pedestrian, homosexuality, prostitution. I mean, I, I mean, it was all inclusive. It was so much a part of their society that, Paul, that the Jewish counselor is saying, you're going to have to separate from this. We need to, you would think that a born again person would automatically know that. But here's, here's what happens is that when, when we get born again, we'll have a born again spirit, but our mind has to be renewed. And so now, these Gentile converts, they needed some strict guidelines because they were to be and act differently. And sexual immorality was, was really a, a standard of the Roman Empire. They, they, they were raised that way. Um, and, and, you know, I... I can, I, I mean, I can, I was not in the Roman Empire. I was like, I can attest to that, but I was not a part of the Roman Empire. But I was raised in a home with, with a mother that was a hippie that basically said, if it feels good, do it. If you like it, if it, whatever. And that's how I was raised. I had no kind of moral compass where it came to sexual immorality. I had none. I knew murder was wrong. I knew theft was wrong. But sexual morality was so ingrained in me that it was a part of just who you were as a person. And that's what it was in the Roman Empire for these Gentile converts. And so they had, they had to have this moral law spoken to them. In 1 Corinthians 6, 18 through 20, 
Paul says this, he says, flee sexual immorality. Every sin that a man does is outside the body, but he who commits sexual immorality sins against his own body. Or do you not know that your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit who is in you, whom you have from God, and you are not your own? You were bought with the price. Therefore, glorify God in your body and your spirit, which are God's. So all these other sins are outside the body because sexual immorality is against your own body now. Right? And, you know, uh, and I have to say this in today's day is that sexual morality is any sex. You can call it adultery, homosexuality, foreign, you can call it whatever you want. It's any sex outside of a covenant relationship between a man and woman, a marriage covenant between a man and woman. Outside of that is all kinds of sexual morality. You know, so you can call it whatever you want to. And Paul is telling them here, he says, and the Corinthians were Gentiles, he says, you need to flee from this because now it's against your temple. You're defiling your temple. So the crux of the, this scripture is found in verse 14, where Simon Peter had rehearsed how God first visited the Gentiles to take out of them a people to bear and honor his name. And God's purpose for this age is to take from all nations a people separated to him for his name. A body of Christ gathered out of the present world system prepares herself as the bride of Christ, including Jews and Gentiles. And all of us outside of Jews are Gentiles, whether you're from Europe or Africa or Asia, wherever, whatever other continent you're from, you're Gentile unless you were Jew. But it so includes Jews and Gentiles into one body as a body of believers. Ephesians 1, 4 says, just as he chose us in him before the foundation of the world, that we should be holy and without blame before him in love a called out a called out body is a separated body is a holy body holy meaning called out separated it's separated paul says in second corinthians 6 14 through 18 do not be unequally yoked together with unbelievers For what fellowship has righteousness with lawlessness? And what communion has light with darkness? And what, con- what accord has Christ with Belial? Or what part has a believer with an unbeliever? And what agreement has the temple of God with idols? For you are the temple of the living God. As God has said, I will dwell in them and walk among them. I will be their God and they shall be my people. Verse 17, he says, therefore, come out from among them and be separate. So Peter said, God was calling a called out people, a called out people to be separate, says the Lord. Do not touch what is unclean and I will receive you. I will be a father to you and you shall be my sons and daughters, says the Lord Almighty. And what does it mean to be separated? It means to be different. It means to be different. It means to look different from society. It means to act different from society. It means to talk differently than the surrounding society. It means to be wholly set apart and separated 
unto the Lord. Not unto ourselves, but unto the Lord. That means there are things that we cannot do anymore if we're going to be called a child of God. But it's not just about what you can't do. It's about living a life above reproach. It's about living a life where you know you're different. Amen. And, and, you know, I, I will tell you, the longer I live on this earth, the more I press into God, the more I realize this world is not my home. Amen. And I begin to realize I really don't fit in anywhere. Amen. I just don't fit. I don't, I don't understand why they, I don't fit. I can't understand the, why people do things. I can't understand that because I, I, I have removed myself so far from who I used to be. Yeah. There's a rising flood of evil and morality and, and immorality in these last days that the church must live above to be able to keep reaching our generation with the gospel and making disciples. There is a way to be in the world, but not of the world. And there is a way to live above the evil immorality. It is on the highway of holiness that only the redeemed can walk. Amen. And the enemy of our souls makes most Christians afraid of the word holiness. Yeah. Because we call it legalism. Yeah. Right. We call holiness legalism, but we need to embrace holiness and a holy life by renewing our minds to the truth of God's word. And I can tell you what legalism is. Pastor Matt actually talked about a little bit on Sunday, but you know, um, I, I got saved in a church that was very, very strict what you wear. Yeah. I, 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 there's no way I could wear this because women can't wear pants. I couldn't show my elbows. I couldn't wear makeup. I couldn't wear jewelry. I couldn't cut my hair. And I remember one time I was out mowing my lawn in shorts. And they weren't, when I say shorts, they were culottes. Yeah. <laughs> right? They're big flowy things that came down past my knee. And I'm from San Antonio. So it's like 100 degrees in the summertime. I'm out mowing my lawn. And so one of my neighbors that went to another church that was kind of associated with mine, saw me out mowing my lawn, ran and told their pastor. Their pastor runs and tells my pastor that I'm out mowing my lawn in shorts. And I should not be on the altar because, and you know, I, I worked with the youth and I sang in choir because I was wearing shorts. And I was like... My knobby knees are not that cute. <laughs> I'm not sure you could even see them at that time. But that's legalism. Yes, it is. Now, now, should we watch what we wear? Yes. Amen. Wear clothes. <laughs> Cover up your parts. But holiness only comes through being born again. You cannot be holy on your own. It is what the Jewish people were trying to dictate with the ceremonial laws of don't touch that, don't taste that, don't wear this, don't do that. They were trying to produce holiness by following the law. And Peter said, we couldn't do that. Our fathers couldn't do it. We can't do it. Right. So holiness.
forgiveness only comes through being born again. We cannot do it on our own. It doesn't come through obeying the law. It comes by putting on the righteousness of God. Galatians 2.21 says, I do not set aside the grace of God, for if righteousness comes through the law, then Christ died in vain. Now what he's saying here, the Greek for that, like in the King James says, frustrates. And if you've heard that, where he says, I do not frustrate the grace of God. And to frustrate means to disannul. Means to disannul, means to shun, nullify, make void. And so we frustrate God's grace when we try working to approach him. When we begin working on our own merits. When we say, I did this, I did that. We frustrate God's grace. We do not do things to move God. We respond to his move already accomplished by grace. We respond to God's grace. We can frustrate his grace when we fail to respond to his correction. Because correction is God's grace to get us back on his path. So when we don't respond to his correction, his grace being poured out on us, we frustrate the grace of God. means we make it of no effect in our life. We can frustrate his grace by returning to sin. When we return to something that God has brought us out of, we annul the grace of God. We frustrate it. We had this conversation in Bible study the other day. Someone was like, well, if someone still claims to be living in sin and they said they accepted Jesus, are they saved? Well, what did they get saved from? Because the Bible says that he came to save us from our sins. What What are you saved from? If you're still living in sin, what are you saved from? It's not the sin. You're still there. And grace is not freedom to do what we want to do, but rather what we ought to do. And grace brings enabling power to live holy and not a freedom to sin and live unrestrained lives. Grace is the power to live the way that he wants us to live. We cannot do it on our own. We cannot live holy on our own. We cannot do the things that God wants us to do on our own power, strength, might, or merit. We frustrate God's grace when we do that. It's only through his grace, it's only through the power of God in our life that we can live actually the way that he wants us to live. We are holy because he is holy. In 2 Corinthians 5.21 it says, For he made him who knew no sin to be sin for us, that we might become the righteousness of God in him. And so now because of Jesus and his grace, we are obligated to live in holiness. We are obligated to live this way. First Peter 1, 13 through 19 says, therefore, gird up the loins of your mind. Be sober. That's sober minded. Means, means stop putting things in your, in your brain that's making you fuzzy. 
Rest your hope fully upon the grace that is to be brought to you at the revelation of Jesus Christ. As obedient children, right? Obedient children rest on his grace. Not conforming yourselves to the former lust as in ignorance, but as he who has called you is holy, you also be holy in all your conduct because it is written, be holy for I am holy. And if you call on the Father who without partiality judges according to each one's work, conduct yourselves throughout the time of your, uh, throughout the time of your stay here in fear. Knowing that you were not redeemed with corruptible things like silver or gold from your aimless conduct received by tradition from your fathers, but with the precious blood of Christ as of a lamb without blemish and without spot. So he says, conduct yourselves while you're here on this earth, because our time here is short. He says, while you're here, conduct yourself in a manner that fears God. And remembers the cross. Remembers the blood of Christ that was poured out for us. We, We should live with a constant memory of the cross. And what Christ did for us. And who we are in him. What he delivered me from. That none of us deserved the cross and that it was your sin and my sin that nailed him to the cross it was our sin that nailed him and 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 if you were to be honest with yourself you you would understand that my sin nailed jesus to the cross and i don't deserve the sacrifice but by grace i will receive it And I will walk in it, and I will live in it, and I will honor him because of it. In Isaiah 35, 8 through 10, it says, A highway shall be there in a road, and it shall be called the highway of holiness. The unclean shall not pass over it, but it shall be for others. Whoever walks the road, although a fool, shall not go astray. No lion shall be there, nor shall any ravenous beast go up upon it. It shall not be found there, but the redeemed shall walk there. And the ransom of the Lord shall return and come to Zion with singing, with everlasting joy on their heads. They shall obtain joy and gladness, and sorrow and sighing shall flee away. A holy life in Christ is a protected life. See, God's laws... For us are boundaries for us to live within in order to protect us and keep us safe. He says, live in this way and you will be protected. It's his protection. Holiness is his protection for us. From those things out there. And no is a grace word. Because God's no's are for our safety and security. When, you, when, when God says no, it's a good thing. It's a boundary that we live within. It's beautiful when God says no. You know, I was just in Iowa and I was at a, uh, I was preaching. We were just in Iowa. And I, I was.
was preaching at a, a women, they had a women's thing on that Saturday, and it was, the title of it was Upgrade. And the pastor's wife was sharing something. I thought it was really beautiful. And she said, sometimes to have an upgrade, you have to downgrade first. And she was talking about how her son at 16 um, just got his license. And so at 16, he was promised a phone um, when he got his license. And they went to the store. And Pastor Carrie brought back a flip phone. (laughs) And Solomon, his name is a beautiful young man. He's almost 17, was not happy (laughs) with a flip phone. And she, you know what she said? She said, she told him this. She said, I'm responsible for you. I'm responsible for your purity. And with a smartphone comes temptations that you're not ready for. And my no right now is to protect you because my job is to bring you pure to your wife. And I was like, oh yeah, sister. Oh yeah. Right? And, and you know, when God, God wants to give you a flip phone and you want a smartphone, he's trying to protect you. Holiness is protection. Outside of God's ways, there's no protection. Outside of God's laws, and don't get hung up on the word law. Anything God says is law. That's just what it is. Don't get hung up on that. Anything, anything outside of what God says, his word, his laws, his precepts, his ways, is not protected. So he says, walk in my highway of holiness. Walk this way and you will be protected. And sometimes it's a flip phone. You're lucky you get a phone at all. God is trying to bring us to a place where he can use us for his purposes. So he's not going to put anything in our way that's going to cause us to stumble and fall. So you can push your way with God. 100%. You can push your way and you can have your way and you can do what you want to do, but you're going to get the consequences of that. And God will say, I wasn't in that. You did what you wanted to do. You came out of my protection. You went and had your own way. You did what you wanted to do. And now you get the fruit of that. We are called to obey his word. And grace is a free gift. And you cannot do anything to earn your salvation. But obedience is the fruit of your faith. It's a fruit. Obedience actually is saying, I have faith. It says, I have faith. I trust God. I trust what he's doing. If we don't have any obedience, it means our faith is dead. And we are saved by grace through faith. Safety is found in dwelling in his presence and seeking his face. That is where we're safe, where no man can snatch us out of our hands. But a wandering sheep is not protected from the wolves. A holy life is a strong life. 
In Job 79, it says, Yet the righteous will hold to his way, and he who has clean hands, that's holiness, will be stronger and stronger. These are good things, God says. These are good things when you walk in the holiness of the Lord. And no man can give you strength like the Lord gives strength. You cannot lift enough weights. Look look at this. I got muscles. (laughs) It doesn't compare to the strength of the Lord. Nothing compares to the strength of the Lord. There's not enough that we can do. And, 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 you know, for a long time, I prided myself on being a strong person. You know, any, anytime you say prided, you should be careful. Because yeah. pride says, I did that. I did that. I did that. There is no I where God's concerned. Amen. It's either God did it or you did it. You get the results of it. And God's not in that. And you frustrate the grace of God. And we need the Lord's strength in our life. We cannot do it on our own. Because your strength will only take you so far. And you, your hard, hard, you know, being hard-headed will only, it will only get you so far. <clears throat> we need God's strength in our life. We need to rely on God's strength. And it's found in walking in holiness. 2 Corinthians 12.10, Paul says, Therefore I take pleasure in infirmities and reproaches and needs and persecutions and distresses for Christ's sake. For when I am weak, then I am strong. I'm only strong when I do things God's way. That's where the strength comes from. The strength comes from when I die to myself and Christ rises within me. That's where the strength comes from. I am strong when I obey. I'm strong when I stay on that path. I'm strong when I die to myself. And in the world, it may appear weak, but in God's eyes, it's strength. A holy life is a blessed life. Psalm 24, 1 through 5, it says, The earth is the Lord's and its fullness, the world and those who dwell therein. For he has founded it upon the seas and established it upon the waters. Who may ascend into the hill of the Lord or who may stand in his holy place? He who has clean hands and a pure heart. He's talking about holiness. Who has not lifted up his soul to an idol nor sworn deceitfully. He shall receive blessing from the Lord and righteousness from the God of his salvation. Read your Bible. Blessings are always found in obedience. I mean, from Genesis to Revelation. The blessings of God are in obedience. Live holy and pure and get the blessings of God. Live in sin, get the fruit of sin and its destruction. The wages of sin is death. Yes. Now, now here, here's the thing. You know, um, there was a couple one time that were, they were living together. And they were not married, and they were, came to church one time, and they wanted me to pray for them. And the Holy Spirit just spoke to me. I didn't know them, but I was like, they're not married. The Holy Spirit spoke that to me. And they wanted, they wanted me to, to bless them and, do, you know, pray over them and ask God to do things in their life. And I said, y'all aren't married, are you? And they, they looked at me, and they're like, no. And I said, are you guys, you guys live together? And they're like, yeah. And I said, I'm not going to pray for you. 
I said, I'm going to pray that you guys get married and make it right before the Lord. I said, but God's not going to bless this. And she said, she said to me, she said, oh, we're blessed. I said, no, you're under grace. We are in a time right now where God's wrath is not being poured out. We're under grace. And God is allowing you to get away with things for a while. But if you continue on that path, you're not going to get away with it. There's going to come a time. And you might be okay for a while. You might be thinking, oh, God's proud of me. God is not proud. And you are not blessed. You are under grace. Right now, nothing has happened to you. Because God is loving and kind, and God is long-suffering, and praise God for his long-suffering. But don't think that you're blessed because you've gotten away with something. The wages of sin is death. You continue on that path, the end of it is death. You have to turn around. A holy life is an anointed life. Psalm 45, 7 says, You love righteousness and hated wickedness. Therefore, God, your God, has anointed you with the oil of gladness more than your companions. This was told of Jesus. The the reason for Jesus' anointing was because he loved righteousness and hated wickedness. Means he, he he loved the things of God and he hated sin. He hated wickedness. He hated the things that were not of God. The anointing and holiness go together. And Jesus understood this connection between being anointed and living a holy life. And just because one experiences an anointing and God's power, like Samson, if you remember Samson, does not give them license to sin. In Judges 16.20, it says, And she said, The Philistines are upon you, Samson. So he awoke from his sleep and said, I will go out as before at other times and shake myself free. But he did not know the Lord had departed from him. This is a cautionary tale. The anointing comes through living that holy life in Christ. And it's not of ourselves. It's only through the power of the Holy Spirit. We can only be holy because he is holy. There is nothing you can do to earn it. There's nothing you can do to receive it. You cannot be good enough. You cannot follow enough laws. There's, you cannot work hard enough, serve God enough in order to be holy. You cannot. It is only through the Holy Spirit that we can be holy. And you can only receive it by grace through faith. A holy life is a long life. Proverbs 9, 10 through 11 says, The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom, and the knowledge of the Holy One is understanding. For by me your days will be multiplied, and years of life will be added to you. And what I want to leave with you tonight, what I want to ask you is, What are you doing with the time that you've been given? We've all been given an amount of time on this earth. And, and, and you know, I told the ladies this yesterday. One day, every single one of us will, will come before the judgment seat of Christ and we will answer to Jesus Christ for our lives. 
And, and if you've been born again, you're not going to answer for your, your sin. You've been, you've been set free from your sin. You won't answer from that. If you have not repented of your sin, you're going to answer for your sin, and you, then you're just done. But if you've been born again in Christ, he's going to ask you, what did you do with what I gave you? What did you do with his grace? What did you do with his strength? What did you do with, your, with those talents that God gave you? What did you do with the gifts that he gave you? What did you do with the time that God has given you? Every single one of us are going to go before Christ. Every single one of us. And you're not going you're, you're to have any excuses on that day. There'll, there will be no excuses. You, you cannot say, well, well, this person did this, or they did that, or they made me do this, or that, none of that's going to, you're going to be laid bare. And said so the books will be opened, and all your works will be displayed. What did you do with what he gave you? Did you live holy? Did you live righteous? Did you turn your back on the world? Did you separate from those things? What did you do with that time? What did you do with the grace you've been given? What are you doing with the grace you've been given? What are you doing with the time you've been given? The grace you've been given right now, what are you doing with it? Can I have some? Can you play? We're going we're gonna to close with that. And I, want you to, I want you to think about that. If you do not know Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, the Holy Spirit is here. God is here right now. And if you've never repented of your sins, you need to. Because you don't want to go before Christ having all your sins still on you. And if you need to repent, he is here right now. If you need Jesus as your Savior, he is here right now. And he is waiting for you to just drop down and surrender. You cannot do it on your own. You know what he wants? He wants a surrendered person. He said, just surrender to me. I don't need you to work for me. I don't need you to do this. I need you to surrender. Stop living life for yourself and surrender to him. And secondly, what are you doing with the grace you've been given right now? How are you living? Are are you living separated and called out? Are you on the highway of holiness? Have you returned to your sin? Talk to him for a minute. Don't let this time pass you by because the Holy Spirit's ministering to some people right now. The Lord wants to tell you some things. Let, let God be honest with you. Don't deceive yourself into thinking you're okay when you're not. God has a plan and a purpose for your life. He does for every single person. I believe it. That God has a plan for you. But it's not your plan. It's not what you want to do. 
the plan you're looking for lies in you surrendering to Jesus today. Surrender your will. Surrender your ways. Stop frustrating his grace. Stop trying to do it on your own. Stop relying on your own strength. Don't frustrate God's grace in your life. Give him his first place. He's calling us to be a holy church, a called out, separated people, that we would reach this whole area for Jesus Christ. We can't look like everybody else. We can't act like everybody else. We're called to be different. It's okay if you don't fit in. You're not supposed to. This world is not our home. Thank you, Lord. God, I thank you for this word tonight. Thank you for the power of your Holy Spirit in our lives, God. Lord, you you know what everybody needs here tonight, God. And so, Father, I just believe by faith that you are talking to your people, the things that they need, Lord. I pray for heart changes, mind changes, Lord. Path changes, Father. Let us be on that highway of holiness, walking in your ways, that protected life, Father. We just thank you, Lord. Thank you for dying on the cross for us, Jesus. Thank you for the blood of Christ that cleanses us from our sins and renews us. Holy Spirit, we thank you. We give you praise and glory and honor. In Jesus' name, amen.